1: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
0: What's going on, y'all? James Hicks here from Infotainment News at ITN Live. Look, have been wanting to do this for a long time this being starting a podcast to go along with the with the site and go along with the other social media platforms we have. But been always trying to find the right platform to use, right? But looking for how to get the message out to our engaged readers, our engaged viewers. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, wherever you're watching from, respectively. Uh, We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. Uh, Today's show, we've assembled a panel of highly skilled and highly talented athletes and coaches, uh, specifically black athletes and coaches. We're going to talk to them about the challenges, the struggles, the successes, and the life lessons that they've learned and discuss any, any roadblocks, internal or external, that they have faced while playing or coaching in their respective sports. At the beginning of this, hopefully we'll shed some additional light on the real life advantages and disadvantages of being a Black athlete, student, and a coach. Maybe we'll walk away with some action items and deliverables for each of us, you know, not just a panel for, for the community at large. But either way, this is a learning opportunity, and I'm honored have these folks on the platform today so please engage and ask any questions so with that let me bring this esteemed panel online Good afternoon. what's going on in the uh in the amazingness of of what i got here on the screen because these, these are some winners right here folks these are some winners recognize them. <laughs>
2: Hey, I hear somebody's pit bull back there barking, trying
0: to get yeah, you, you, you know what? I'm, we're going to do something about that dog in a minute. That's a whole other show. I'm <laughs> not going to say nothing. But. <laughs> let, let me start by saying again, first of all, thank you all gentlemen for joining. Thank you for having this conversation. Uh, this actually uh, stemmed from a conversation I had with Mr. Montel Allen there. So I'm going to start with the introductions with, with him. And if you can tell us your name... Where you coming from your sport and or college that you played for or coached at. Um, and then we get to it some more further context. So brother Allen, let's start with you.
1: Absolutely. My name is Monto Allen I'm from Sacramento, but I you know reside now down in Southern California. Went to Humboldt State, proud lumberjack. I'm I'm supporting the San Jose State since they was just up there practicing, um, using our utilizing our field and our facilities. Um, I run I run a company called NBA Sports, which is a nonprofit that helps young Young brothers and sisters get get recruited and go through the recruiting process uh, of time to a post-secondary degree.
0: Awesome sir. Mm-hmm. Coach great look at you man you're you just right there blinging and, and you got your, you got your marquee behind you We've we, we got to talk to you let's, let's give us some.
2: Let's go! Brace up. My name is Kevin Bracy. I'm from Sacramento. Montel Allen is my brother, and because of Montel Allen getting a scholarship to Humboldt State to play football, he put the vision in me because he was a year ahead of me that it was possible for me to leave Mesa Verde High School and play play baseball at the next level. So, Kevin Bracy, baseball player, went from we're from Mesa Verde High School to American River College. Scholarships at the University of Utah, a couple of years of professional baseball in Canada. Today, I'm a motivational entertainer, speaking to elementary, middle, high school, colleges, corporations, doing what I love, motivating people and entertaining them at the same time with the same spirit of an athlete. But I can't do the same thing. I'll pull a hammy if I try to. <laughs>
0: what, what, what? It was a <laughs> over, right? Your 40 time is a little bit faster right now, or a little, a little bit slower right now.
2: Yeah, way slower. I couldn't even run for it. <laughs> And, and again, I, I want this to be aware
0: again. we're gonna be cognizant of your time because you got to go out there and do that motivational entertainment today with with a group of young men. so we want to make sure that we uh, be cognizant of that time. So thank you, sir. Uh, let's, let's talk to tall boy up there. I see you sir.
3: How you doing? Uh, Corey Sanders, I go by the name of the tall boy. Um, content creator. I went to uh, started out at Cal State Fullerton on a basketball scholarship transferred to the university of new orleans was uh, where i was able to get my degree from there played uh a little while uh in the minor leagues uh played professionally overseas once that time was up and then fell in to radio marketing and now i uh, create content
0: that's what i do nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that last but
4: definitely not least Brother hey how you doing Words of Torrance, uh, originally from Gardena, California, down in Southern California. Um, ran track in high school, uh, LA City Champion in 78, went to Long Beach City College, uh, where we held many records there. Uh, transferred over to San Jose State. I was a sprinter there at San Jose State. Uh, graduated from University of San Francisco. Um, I live now, uh live here in Sacramento, California, an um, IT specialist. I coached track and field, football, um, a little baseball, but football. uh, But track and field was definitely the sport that I enjoyed, and um, you know, yeah. So that's where I am right now.
0: Thank you, sir. And Montel, before I turn it off, I guess I want to make this one statement. I'll ask everyone for not their age, but and I asked them for you know, where they came from, where they started in their particular sports, just to really show the audience the depth and the breadth and the reach in terms of what we're going to be talking about today and, and the, the experiences that we have, right? We, we got football here. We got track. We got baseball. So we cover all the main sports for the most part. But but now, Montello, if you could kind of lead the discussion in terms of, you know, kind of the, the messages that we wanted to
1: get over. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about first, like, what first attracted you to go into that school, the particular school that you went ahead and, and attended. That's number one. And then let's talk about some of the 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 support mechanism or lack of support mechanisms we had when we were at school. Because some of us did go out of state, went out of went went to different places, different regions of the country, which we know those those you know the support mechanism for us coming from California is a lot different. And that support as a black men are really different going to those universities. So I want to kind of focus on that part and then we'll just have the conversation kinda of cater to where it wants to go. So uh Kevin, what attracted you? Let's let's start with you, my man.
2: You know, um for me, what attracted me to Utah was was I was one of those guys who 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 I didn't have all the talent. I was never the best player on any team that I played on, ever. From Pinto baseball to to T-ball to Bronco to high school to college, but I was the hardest worker on every team I was on. So I was playing like the name of my book back here, and I'm not just here to promote the book, but it's called Scared Great because I played scared. I did everything scared because I did not because I wanted baseball to take me where my dreams in my vision I had playing baseball at the the big league level. But after Mesa Verde High School, I got a baseball scholarship to the University of Pacific. But I didn't have the same confidence academically that I had athletically. Right. So so imagine that. I already didn't have confidence athletically as much as I should have. And academically, I had even less than that. So when I took the SAT to take that scholarship to UOP, I didn't score high enough on the SAT. So I ended up going to American River College, a community college, as a detour. So at ARC, when I first got there, Coach Higgins redshirted me because I needed to grow and I needed to get stronger Mm -hmm. and all the things that go along with being a redshirt. But to me, in my head, it was like I got cut. So I had a fork in the road decision to make. Either you're going to keep going to practice every day just to show, Coach, that when the time comes around, you're serious about it or you're going to go play Nintendo and chase girls. I kind of did both, to be honest with you, but I went to practice every single day. So I ended up making the team the next year, played two years at America River College, graduated. And for me, it's probably different than anybody else on here. I had one school offer me, one school who wanted me. And I'm representing the University of Utah for the rest of my life because <laughs> there was only one school. I didn't have hella schools wanting me, so that was what attracted me. When they took me on, you know, I went on my tour and and we hung out, and I was like, "Man, this is D one baseball." So I ended up in the WAC conference at that time, and that's what attracted me. They were the only ones who wanted me.
1: Mm. There you go, yeah. Tall yeah. boy, tall boy. Let's hit, let's hit you. What attracted you to go to to go to the schools you went to?
3: All right, so um, originally I got my Division One basketball scholarship uh, not because the coach saw me play. Um, I had actually got suspended from school um, the, in that middle of that week for stepping on a kid's pair of Jordans and uh, stepped on the guys' Jays at lunch. He told me to apologize, which I would have, but his tone told me, you got another thing coming, and you, you, you know how that, how that is as African-American men. Uh, You're telling me I need to apologize in that tone. Well, I get suspended. Come to find out my dad and the principal knew each other. And he said he can come back to school because my because I really didn't do anything. All I did was stand up. And uh, some girl yelled, fight. They said suspend them both. And it was like, well, I didn't do nothing. So, like I said, my dad went back up to the school the next day. He fought for me. And he says, well, he can come back to school. He can come to the game but he could not play in the game. Well, the game is, well, I went to high school in Lansing, Michigan. I went to Lansing Everett, Everett High School. And if anybody knows anything about Lansing Everett, that is uh, the high school that Urban Magic Johnson went to. So the game that I played was the big rivalry game, Lansing Sexton versus Lansing Everett. And I couldn't play. So I'm clapping and cheering for my teammates. And there was a scout at the game. And my attitude because he saw me supporting my team he saw me um uh, um you know just supporting them even in it was one of my lowest moments at that time he said who is the kid and the coach said honorable student great kid great personality good player just got caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time man never saw me play offered me a division 1 scholarship to Cal State Fullerton let's go uh, so uh. Just, just just by clapping and cheering so um come to find out that was my junior year. I did not even do the recruiting process of going, picking your five schools or anything like that. I was from Atlanta. I had just moved up with my dad with me moving up with my dad in Lansing. I just knew I wanted to get as far away from Michigan without crossing a body of water. And California (laughs) was that school. And you're thinking when you go out on your visit, they take you to Disneyland you know, they take me to a house party wow. and it's like, you know, you see palm trees and you're like, yeah, I'm going here. Like bump this, right. this is California, you know, <laughs> coming from Michigan. Right. Now my dream, my dream school was to go to Florida, FAMU and the funny thing about that was FAMU was not going to recruit me. Um, at, FAMU was not going to recruit me up in Michigan. So me not understanding conferences or anything like that, I just wanted to go to FAMU because I was from Atlanta and I just wanted to be like that rattler. That was my big thing. Well, there's another story to that situation. But I chose Fullerton because that coach gave me my first letter. And I said, the first person that showed that they're interested in me, that was where my loyalty was going to lie. And so I made that jump. Um, I speaking of the ACT, SAT situation, I took that ACT four times and the funny thing about it is my graduation day uh from high school i i had just took the sat two weeks prior in another city and i was like well i'm not gonna get up and take the act something said get up take the act that was from 8 to 12 i graduated at two and then i had my um what's the little graduation party that you have uh after the graduation you have your family Mm -hmm. all come Mm -hmm. over all that was all in the same day. So just imagine how big of a day it was. Coach calls me on July 9th and said, Happy birthday. You're now Cal State Fullerton Titan. Let's go. I couldn't pay I kept getting 15, 16. I just could not get that 17. I just could not get it. And he finally called me two days before my birthday and said, You're now officially a Cal State Fullerton Titan. That was one of the happiest moments of my life. You thinking 17, about to turn 18. Um I was headed to California. Um you know the old saying your parents say you gotta get out of your house when you yeah. turn 18? <laughs> so that Friday, my best friend takes me to a strip club in Lansing. We go I ended up leaving that strip club, going to Toronto to play in an all-star game. And then after that all-star game, I was on a flight to California that Monday morning. Wow. So, so, and, 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 and my, and my journey started there. Um, I've never shared this story with anybody. So this is some exclusive content, James. Um, I got caught up in a gambling situation at Cal state Fullerton where somebody offered me some money to throw a game mm. and I did the right thing. I told the coach, it made the front page of the LA times, the orange County register, all of that. And, uh, here I was offered some money and you know, me not knowing the situation, right. um, the coach kind of, you know, people, the media was knocking on my door and, um, I didn't know how to handle it. And I told the coach the situation and instead of, I was a freshman starting and I was a true freshman starting. So they were, I had went out there, they were going to red shirt me, but I had excelled so well that they allowed me to start or I had earned that chance to start. And then here I was getting playing time. And then when that gambling situation happened, He benched me. And to me, Hmm. I just told him, I said, you know, that's it. I'm out. And uh, when I did my process to go to the University of New Orleans, as I was looking at my next, I said, I'm going to get all five of the schools and the university that I chose. As corny as this may sound, (laughs) I ended up choosing New Orleans because I was on a plane with Master P. And I wanted to get, (laughs) I kid you not, I was on a plane with Master P. I got the hookup. Had just came out And I had met my my idol I had my first tattoo with the no limit tank Come on had, That was my first tattoo And here I'm on the plane with Master P And he's like why don't you go to LSU Why don't you go to Suno or Southern And I'm like I only know UNO because my assistant coach At Cal State Fullerton is here And because he's here I'm going to go you know see what he's all about He gives me his number And the Mm. next day on my visit, he says, I said, can I call Master P? I got this number. I call. It says No Limit Studios. I said, my name is Corey Sanders. I'm looking to uh, speak Master P. They said, oh, he's been waiting on your call. He gets on the phone, and he says, I'm having a limo to come pick you up, up at Lakefront Arena. I said, hold on. Let me ask the coach if it's okay. The coach says, well, I really wanted to spend some time with you. And I knew I was out there on a business trip. So I had to tell Master P, which I think that was the worst move that I ever did. But I told (laughs) Master P, thank you for the opportunity, but I came out here on some business. And I needed, I need to understand and get to know this coach, especially if I choose to come out here. And that weekend was Silk the Shocker's graduation party. And so they were really, they turned the city up. And I, I missed out because I went to go do a visit. Now, the coach took me to the Saints practice facility to meet Ricky Williams, who was the biggest thing at that time. And I got a chance to meet Mike Dixon. But I didn't care about football. I wanted to be with Master B. So, Come on. <laughs> um, so I ended up going to the University of New Orleans. And, um, and I did that because of the relationship that he acted like he cared, whereas the coach over at Cal State Fullerton did not. The coach that recruited me, our last game of the season, he told he got me in his car because, you know, you can't ride in the vehicles with the coaches. He put me in his car. He says, I'm going to take you home. He says, I'm going to tell you this. He says, I'm not coming back to Cal State Fullerton next year. And he says, I, I, I only came back this year because you reminded me a lot of me, and I felt like you needed one year of me grooming you. And with that being said, I'm not coming back. I think you have your wings. It's time for you to grow. And I said, if you're not here, I'm not here. And that was what transitioned me to go over to the University of New Orleans. So, Wow, that's amazing. How about you, Mr. Torrance?
1: What attracted well, you to your, to your school?
4: Um, a couple of events. One of the things that baseball was my sport. I played baseball from the time I was in the third grade until the time I graduated from high school. But I grew up in the boxing environment. My dad's a boxing trainer. He was a boxer. He's still training now, you know, five times um, World Boxing Hall of Fame. And I didn't want to box. And so uh, I played baseball. So by the time I got to high school, you know, some friends was going to play uh, tryout for football. They all played potwander football. I never played. And I went there because I didn't want to box. The only time I went to the gym is, I, you know, go clean up and hang out. And that's where my dad kept me off the streets. But boxing just wasn't one of those things. And so I learned that I could run. I can hang out, you know, with the with the older guys and run with them. And so when I got into high school, I started running track. And then that got me a little bit out of my shell. You know, uh, I was very you're quiet and shy, but it got me a little attention. And then I was able to travel a little bit to other schools and kind of see little things outside of my bubble. Uh, So, you know, I ran track in high school, I did very well. And then colleges was contacting me, you know, to come to school and I didn't want to go to college, but my dad told me you go to college, get a job, or go to the military. Well, I, I didn't want to go to the military I didn't know what I wanted to do for a job, you know, cause I wasn't interested in much. So um, I decided to see if I can go and run track and then Long Beach city college was building their teams and they called me over to come in and run with them. And so uh, he told me until you decide what you wanna do, start your education and come run with, with us because I didn't really know how those things worked, uh, because I won the city championship. And so everybody was contacting me to come and play football and run track. And I didn't quite understand. You know, I didn't really have a mentor to kind of tell me about this. And when I was in high school, the coaches just was concerned about winning the championships. That was about it. And, you know, when I went to high school, this was back in '70. 78 77 78 they didn't really care much about you as long as you was an athlete and you were doing some good things so track and field got me to long beach and then um you know after two years of that i started to get letters and notifications and uh you know we're traveling and, and you know people were take me around uh, but usc and ucla was the two schools that i wanted to attend I went to all the USC football games and all of the UCLA basketball games. So I wanted to go to those two schools. But the problem is, is that uh, sprinters at the time was a dime a dozen. Everybody had sprinters and everybody wanted to be a sprinter. And they wanted hurdlers, you know, 400-meter uh, runners. And you know, I was a decent 400-meter runner, but um, I was a primarily a true sprinter. So long story short, um Colleges was coming to the house, talking to my parents. Kansas brought me out to their campus and was willing to give me a full ride. And it was beautiful campus. You know, Uh Corey, they had the girls out there. It was really nice out there. You know, I, I, I enjoyed myself until I asked how cold it got. No, let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me start that over. They showed me their indoor track. And I didn't understand why do you have an indoor track? Okay. But remember, I never left California. I've always been in California. So you didn't need indoor stuff outside of the, uh, you know, the indoor meets. And they said, oh, it gets so cold sometimes, you know you, you know, you can't go out and run. I said, well, how cold does it get? Oh, I don't know, 13 to 15 below zero. And I decided then... No, that's, that's not where I wanted to go. USC was offering me you know, partial scholarship. USC was offering partial. My parents says, yeah, we just don't have the money for that. And then San Jose State popped up out of the blue. And they, I think they came out to LA like six or seven times. And then when they say, we'll give you a full ride, you don't have to pay for anything. That's what got me to San Jose. And as, you know, and as I started running, you know, and using my training, I got from Long Beach because I think Long Beach City gave me the best training I've ever had. You know, we did a whole bunch of other things. So that had my mentality to say track and field is it. And So I I learned there not only how to how to study in school and stay in school, keep my grades up, but it also learned me to uh, taught me to be competitive, and so when I came to San Jose State, you know, it was a little intimidating because they were known as Speed City. And, um, you know, all the greats went to San Jose State. So, you know, I was still kind of learning um, about running and how, how you know, to hang with everyone else. So I had a good year, a good couple of years at San Jose State. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed my college life from, you know, the junior college level to the um university level. And so track and field, you know, that was been my been in my blood, is in my blood now. I'll sit and watch it all day, even the walk racing. I'll sit and watch walk walk racing. My my wife don't understand why I sit I was gonna sit there all day. So you know that kind of set the 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 basis for me with sports and as a coach and actually you taught me more about people then I have learned kind of on my own, hanging out with my friends. Cause a lot of my friends really didn't have any directions. They were just kind of there. And I wanted to leave LA. I, I loved LA. I grew up out there, but I didn't want to stay in LA and San Jose state was my ticket to go. I didn't know how it was going to uh, happen, but that was my ticket to go out there. And I'm glad I did because I think that was probably the best decision I made. Um, because I don't know what will happen to me if I stayed in Los Angeles. So that's yeah, kind of my first my story.
1: That's, that's, that's great. And I, I like everybody's individual story because it's different and I'll go mine real short. Mine's is different. I went to, I went to go ahead and I played at Humboldt state um, division two football um, at the time. And I was small, super small. Um, I was a little guy, a little guy. I was probably maybe five nine one sixty, but I could play football. I, I could yeah. hit and, and, yeah. and, That, that was a school that really, they were very persistent with me. So they recruited me. I got letters from a lot of other schools. I got interest from a lot of other schools, but Humboldt would really pursue me. And, and I landed there. Probably wasn't the greatest experience probably ever had in my life because I was able to get away from Sacramento and I was able to grow like a man. Um, and, and hearing all you guys' stories, all you guys went division one. I went D two, but this is what I want to, I want you guys to think about. I want you to ponder and I want to kind of seg, segue into this. Each mechanism that took you guys to school or the mechanism that attracted you to those schools was all similar to us as a sport, right? So it was basketball, baseball for Kevin, track, a track for you, Mr. Torrance, me, football. Now I want you to imagine something. That mechanism is cut off. Would you go to that school? Not being recruited. Not somebody coming talk, calling you anymore. No, no, nobody talking to you about it. Would you go to New Orleans? Would you go to Utah? Would you go to San Jose State? Would I go to Humboldt if they never, ever contacted us or never had that mechanism to attract us to that school?
2: My quick answer is no, because I didn't even know Utah existed.
1: Mine's is <laughs> no, too.
3: I would have never went. What about yeah. you, Mr., Mr., Mr. Tallboy? Would you have been new? I never heard of Cal State. I never heard of Cal State Bulletin. When they said Cal State Bulletin, I said right. Cal State who? <laughs> that, that's yeah. exactly what I said. Yeah. And in University of right. New Orleans, it was who? Mm-hmm. You know, you and no, know, like, Uno? And they were like, no, you And And if you say Uno, I get mad And you say <laughs> Uno because it's, it's U-N-O. <laughs> right. don't, don't you say no Uno around me. You better say yes, U-N-O. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, absolutely. and say so, so, no. The you know, neither question, for me. I,
4: I, I never heard of San Jose State. I didn't know where San Jose was. The only thing outside of in California I knew was Oakland and San Francisco.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't know mm-hmm.
4: anything else in between there outside of Bakersfield and, and Fresno. Got it. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have come to San Jose.
1: So so I'm le- I'm leading to that. I'm leading that that part of the discussion, because as we know, I think I think us as African-American men, especially in the state of California, there's been mechanisms taken away from us to attract us to schools and most predominantly has been sports. You know, and me, in particular, I have a passion about because it's football. They cut football out from a lot of the Division two programs. Just like they're cutting programs now, Occidental just cut their football program. I believe there's some other Division I foot programs that are – Stanford's talking about cutting some of their programs as well. Those mechanisms that attract us to go to these schools, outside of anything else, is now are, are being cut. And I'm having a hard time myself fathom how the fourth largest economy in the world, which are state schools – Cannot, cannot fund these programs to keep that mechanism going to attract us to those schools. Because as we all know, all of our dreams will become pro. Whatever we want to be the professional, be the best at it, either go to Olympics, play NBA, play Major League Baseball, play NFL football. But when we didn't make that, we became pro something else. Kevin's a motivational speaker, and he's dominant at it. Coach, Torrance, you're a coach, and you're, I'm pretty, your are dynamic. Tallboy, I'm sure you're, you're dynamic in what you're doing, and, and I'm an analyst at a, at a, at a Fortune 500 company but those mechanisms now are no longer there for the next generation. They're not there for your kids anymore. You know, or in certain sports, they're not there anymore. Go
3: ahead, go ahead. Please so, 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 so in my humble opinion, and I may be wrong about this, but I don't think that college is really for everybody. I, I think that they need to really pick up a trade because we as African-Americans, if you don't play that good old boy system with them, uh-huh. then yeah. you, what job are you going to get? But I agree. Entrepreneurial.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. The, the college is not for everybody. The opportunity to go to college is
3: for everybody. That yeah, should like be it. there. Well, you know what I'm saying? Whether you go or not. Whether you, yeah, you go or not. Yeah, that's if you want to go. But yes, I'm, yes. Like I said, my dream college was FAMU. So I wasn't trying to go to FAMU to go play basketball. I just wanted to go to FAM. But me being up in Michigan, I was going to have to find a way To get there. And like I said, the funny story Mm -hmm. about FAMU is they have the black college fair in Detroit Mm -hmm. and you go down to Cobo Hall and all the HBCUs all come. And I would every year stand in line for FAMU and I got disrespected my senior year. And it was like, I'm not going to this school. You know, it was Mm. I stood in line my sophomore, junior and senior year. And they said, oh, come back next year. Oh, come back next year. That senior year, I came back with letters of resume, uh, letters of uh, recommendation. I had my resume. I had everything lined up, waited in line patiently. The man took my paperwork and he threw it on the desk and said, "Okay." uh, he saw a pretty girl right behind me or whatever. And he wanted to talk to her. (laughs) So me, I went to go sit in the corner. And when I sat in the corner, the TSU representative from Tennessee State saw me and said, hey, why are you sitting in the corner? I said, I only came here for one school. And she said, what school was that? I said, TSU. I mean, excuse me, family. And she says, uh, can I see your paperwork? I showed her my stuff. She said, this is really impressive. And she said, do you mind filling out the application? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waive all your fees. I said, you can do whatever you want. I'm not coming to TSU. <laughs> By the time because I, I already knew that I had a Cal State Fullerton yeah. scholarship. I wasn't trying to be arrogant or anything like that. When I left Detroit and got back to Lansing, no lie, they had called the coaches. They had talked to my coach. They talked to the athletic director. They talked to the principal. They talked to two of my teachers. They called my dad from the time I left Cobo Hall to the time I got to Lansing. And my dad, when I got home, he says, you can't leave home. That's a Friday in Lansing, Michigan. You trying to hit them streets. When you 17 years old, you waiting mm-hmm. on this coach to call. And at that time it was Frankie Allen, the the legendary Frankie Allen. And it was like, I'm waiting on him to call because I'm mad because I'm ready to go run these streets with my boys and I can't open it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. And the first thing he says is, Have you ever heard of TSU? And I'm like, No, nah. he says, Tennessee and his words, and I quote, TSU is a fine university. Our ratio was 17 to one. Seventeen to one to what? Female to men. Oh, I'm going. That, that was my thought process. I said, book the ticket. I'm going. So as yeah. soon as I got off the phone, I called my dad, and then I said, Dad, I'm not going to Cal State Fullerton. He says, why not? I said, because Tennessee State got a ratio of 17 to 1. He said, that's the only reason why you want to go? You ain't going there. He said, I'm not supporting <laughs> that. I said, but I'm going to TSU. And he's like, no, you're not. He literally called Coach Fuller. Coach Fuller stayed on the phone with me for two hours and said, you're a man in your word, right? You gave me your word. You made this commitment, right? And that's kind of where how I am today. If I look you in the eye and I tell you something, that was a learning lesson at that time for me. Mm-hmm. But, and, I, and it still holds to this day. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I do it. If I can't, then I'm going to be man enough to tell you. And I think that was my first lesson as far as me learning that that's what it is. I mean, that if you make a commitment, see it through. Now, my, my, now my to, to go back to piggyback or to circle back to what you were saying, the schools, I mean, no disrespect to my degree, but I never had to use my degree mm-hmm. in the job or the line of field that I, I'm in. You know, I, when I tried to go into law enforcement, that would have been great. If I would have tried to go into medical field, that would have been great. But I never went. You don't need a degree to be a videographer. You don't need a degree to be an interviewer. You, you don't need that. But they do need HVAC. They do need plumbing. They do need electrical. But you got to pick up that trade. And when you think about the people that go to trade schools, they make way more money than unless you work for the Department of Education or you're an engineer or something like that. So I think that us as African-Americans, they need to really identify what it is that they want to do and become their own bosses as opposed to necessarily saying, I went to college because In my humble opinion, college is only, this is my opinion, it's only there to network. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's all about me meeting you, you, and you, and then how can we utilize our strengths together to help each other get to the next level or bring somebody else up? Now, that's my thought process on what I think college is all about. Mm-hmm. I, and I and
1: I, now, I agree to you certain certain aspect. Go ahead, Coach Torrance. And I want to go into something. Else, but go ahead, Coach Torrance. Okay. So you
4: know, uh, I I kind of agree with you on on some of that. If if track and field wasn't if sports wasn't in my in in my future, one of the things that um, my schools were doing was um, advertising a trade trade school. And before I actually uh, went to Long Beach City College. Uh L.A. Trade Tech is where I was thinking about going because I wanted to be a, an x-ray technician. And so, um, you know, um HVAC, x-ray tech, you know, uh plumbing, heating and air. Those are those are the things that we were told we need to do because very often. And I don't know about you guys. When I was young, all I heard was you're good at your hands. Work with your hands. You know, they didn't, they didn't encourage us to go to school. They didn't encourage us to really think and use our brains right Mm -hmm. and first thing i was thinking okay i'll go do a trade or sports well sports got me in college you know that was never in my in my future in my opinion you know but it got me in college but going to a trade would have been helpful for me because i wanted to be a a technician because i know i can go and work with the sport teams you know so that was my whole idea on that and then when you're talking about colleges, we didn't have uh, college fairs at my, at my high school. You know, I never heard of an HBCU until I got to San Jose State, <laughs> you know. So we, they didn't talk to us about that, at least in my school. We never had any of those type of things. But it was more of talking to others, networking with people, you know, for those who are outside of our community. You know, me, my biggest thing was to stay out of the gangs. And yeah. stay away from the gangs, and that's why my dad kept me at the gym. You know, taught yeah. me how to protect myself. But I wanted something else, and I didn't know what that was. But then, once track and field got me out of Los Angeles, then a whole new world opened up for me.
1: Exactly, and that's the kind of where I was going. Like with the with the mechanism part, that mechanism that attracts you. I'm gonna kind of transition some other, especially for you can before you have to leave. I know your time is oppressed. So with that being said, are all we are all of us from California? Or are all of us residing California right now? Or I was about to ask
3: you that. I live in Atlanta.
1: Yeah. I you live in Atlanta. I'm the
3: only one that went to California, and y'all.
2: Not- <laughs> <laughs>
1: but okay, so being being from California, and like I said, that mechanism that they they've been taking away from us. I was talking to James before before this whole thing last week. Why is there not a HBCU in the state of California? Wow. Because we have everything. Every mechanism that should be a HBCU, we have the history. We have the culture. We have the dynamic culture. We have every we should have the money given to us as, as, as a black community to be able to have that kind of institution to engulf those people that do want to go to school. We should be able to have a self-fulfilling place where we can teach our own, have our own, have the black college experience, which is different from going to a white college. Everybody knows it has its different experiences there, positive or negative, however you may feel it. But why do we not have that in the state of California? How can we have not, as a community, or as people, or as coaches, as administrators, press that issue at all, for us to have that kind of mechanism, for us to attract our youth? Because we know we're we're losing a lot here in California, especially young men. We're losing those those guys a lot to whether it be the system, to whether it be the streets, to whether it be just this lack of opportunity. I would I would love to be able to hear you guys' opinion.
3: Why we sh- why how come we don't have it? As of right now, why we don't have it right now, and how can we get to that point? I think the furthest, and I, and don't quote me on this, I think the furthest HBCU is either Texas or... Talk to Oklahoma. You got Oklahoma. You got, you, got, okay. you
1: got Oklahoma, you got Langston in Oklahoma, you got Texas College in Texas. And both of those are very, very small. If you, if you call call HBCUs, they're very, very small. Um, beyond <laughs> that, once it gets that, the Mississippi, the west
3: of the Mississippi, we don't have anything. So So I guess my question is, because HBCUs are predominantly in the South. There's no HBCUs right. up, up, up the East Coast past.
1: i I'm not. You got Morgan State in Virginia. You got Howard in DC. Pass, I said past Maryland. Pass okay, there. sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, there's
3: yeah. no HBCUs in the what?
1: Well, take it back. You got, you got in. The, you got, uh, you got a Central State that's in Ohio.
3: That's HBCU. But not in Wisconsin or uh, Illinois, Nebraska. But uh, they don't have as
1: a rich – I don't think their history is as rich as in California. We have Oakland is right there, the birth of the Black Panthers. We have a lot of rich black culture history in the state of California. So I'm wondering why we have never pressed ourselves to have an HBCU in the state of California.
3: And I was going to ask you, maybe the, the those HBCUs, uh, like the Clark Atlanta, the Morehouses, the, the FAMs, the Jackson State's, Whoever were those founding members, maybe they did not have ties out there in the California area, or in the Utah area, or in the Nevada area. Maybe they didn't have that, you know. And- I, I, I would agree with you, and I believe that's that's probably
1: true back when they start first started. But now we're here, what a hundred years later, and now we do have those ties with those schools. We do send people, we migrate out there to be in those part of the schools. I'm saying right now, in this year, this day and time, right, where we're in the 2000. Why hasn't it been supposed to be developed like that? And I'm, it's not, I'm not having an argument discussion. I'm just saying, I don't understand with our rich heritage do we have in the state of California. You've been to California before. With major cities like San Francisco, Oakland, L.A., Sacramento, San Diego, we have such a diverse population and such, and such a growth, I mean, a big wealth of population. Why hasn't it been presented and why, is, why hasn't it been
2: pressed? And, Kevin, I want to hear from you specifically. I know you got to go before everybody yeah, else Go So, I, Kevin, you know, give, give me a your perspective so- on it. Yeah, there's just certain certain topics that that you know I sit back and learn because I know you work with colleges colleges and college students a lot. So this is probably a topic that is heavy on your mind and you think about it and you talk about it because you get a lot of kids that you're putting through to, to sending them to different colleges to play sports. But for me, that question has never cross my mind, especially now being 48, having graduated from college in 1996. So th- that's a question that I would sit back and learn and listen because I have no idea. I can't even in my mind I'm thinking man, I never even <laughs> thought about that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. even that never even crossed my radar. So certain yeah. things I just gotta shut my mouth up and sit back and listen. So that's one of those things because I have no idea. Why. Yeah and, and, great question. And,
1: and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate a little bit on it because I feel I feel that it's such a big need because we like i said we we we're such a dynamic investors in our community right us as black community whether we spend a lot we're we're consumers right and we spend a lot of money on that i don't understand why we can't in the state of california again fourth largest economy in the world not the united states we're in the world we compete with we can be with the rest of the united states as one of the largest economies right so with this state alone something like that which has having so many black folks and so much Latino folks and people of brown skin here how come we don't have something like that to call our own, where it's an educational mechanism to get us into these things, these trades, these companies, these partners? Because we have every industry in the world here, from agriculture to cinema to where it's entertainment to where we have biotech, uh, engineering. We have all the high tech companies here. We have the po- we have political science. We have the state capital here. Everything, everything is in California. Where everybody else, wherever else, is segregated. East Coast, you have you know certain things every all of these different states. We have it all here, but yet we have all these ed- ed- educational institutions, and and they, and they attract predominantly different races. It is. It, it 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 does what it does. But we have nothing for blacks or people of brown skin or Afro black, whether you Afro Latino, black or nothing. We have we don't have that here. And I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm really curious, you know, to hear other brothers and other people's opinion. Why we don't, or why it hasn't it been approached? I want to hear from you, Coach. Coach, Coach, Torrance. Please, please elaborate. You've been around for a minute. Tell, tell us what's going on.
4: You know, I, 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 don't know. I, you know, I. No one has ever posed that question to me before. And like I said, I never heard of an HBCU until I moved up north uh, to to uh, California. I mean, I'm, I'm to uh, San Jose. And the only reason why the HPCU has come to come to play because I had a sociology teacher. Who's African American, was asking us about why we haven't, uh, you know, or did we consider HBCU, and I sat there and said, I don't, I don't even know what that means, you know, so you bring up a good point. There's, there's a lot of rich, um, of cultures here. Um, I don't know about the funding because, you know, I do know that, uh, with the uh, with the uh, predominantly white institutions. The percentage of African-Americans uh, are low, mm-hmm. mainly African-American male. So mm-hmm. how do we attract them there? Because, you know, with the fundings, with the money uh, or, or or some type of uh, a way to get into college. And I don't know if <clears throat> if a, uh, a HBCU will be attractive enough to pull them in from out of state. Because, you know, again, you get a lot of fun, a lot of money from out of state students. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I I don't know how you know how to kind of formulate that. I I need to kind of take that back and talk to my circle of networks, you know, and see what uh, other you know other brothers are thinking about uh, how here and just to kind of start that conversation because that's a that's a very good that's a very good conversation to have and just to kind of get the perspective of others what they think why there's not an HBCU here and I yeah. know uh, who are history buffs and they can probably kind of. Chime in on this pretty pretty deeply.
1: Yeah, I've done I've done I've done I've done a little bit of research on it, and, and, and I, I haven't been able to come to any conclusion or any answer to why, except that at one it hasn't been brought up. But I know I'm not that bright of the guy that's been the first person to think of that. So I'm sure somebody else has thought of it, <laughs> and there's a reason why. But I mean, I think something like that could be so impactful because I work in corporate America. I work for Fortune 500. All the companies I've worked for in my life have been Fortune 500, and I know the argument there is when I ask. You know, by hiring black people for one, and black males in particular, there is none. They said there's not enough qualified. They're qualified, and, it's, and, and to go outside of the state because we can go to Atlanta and go get them. I Absolutely, but who in Atlanta is gonna 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 take a hundred thousand dollar a year job or hundred fifty thousand dollar a year job to move to the to move to the Bay Area to have a roommate? Right. Well, they get hundred fifty thousand in Atlanta and they live like a king. They they got a mansion. They're fine right. over there. There's no right. need. So. That that transition is too hard. So why aren't we grooming our own in the state of California to be able to stay here? Because they're they understand the dynamics of the economy. They understand how it is. They understand how to maneuver within the economy when it when it's like that. But we have nothing there for us. We don't. We don't have any. We have. We don't have anything for us. So I think having California, you were saying going out of state. I don't think we even need to go out of state. We should have an institution that's here to stay. That mainly we'll accept you if you come out of state. But we have enough student body, enough enough black folks enough brown folks to would fill that school up with not a problem because they want to have the black, they want to have the HBU experience, they want to get the quality education and let's be honest with you, it's great to learn from us. I want to learn from a man that's older than me that, that's the same color as my skin because I can relate to him. I want to learn from a young lady that's the same color as my skin because I can relate to them. They can understand my struggle and my differences that I've been able to go through. I think, and I think people that people, other, other young people can relate to that as well. So, just food for thought, man. I I, I really, I, and you all brothers is very intelligent. You guys all know. I, I really want, I, I see the, the, the things that's charming because my man tall ball, got his hand on his mouth. He thinking, right. Right. <laughs> you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really,
2: I really like to get some perspective. from hey. some guys because. Hey Montel, I'm the type. You got to shoot that question to me a couple of days before, so I can do a little research. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, hey! We, we you hit know, you, we uh, hit you right uh, off the block there, didn't we? Right? We came. We came uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was yeah. making sure we saved that until everyone was on screen and wanted to get that reaction. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah, because, right. because uh, <laughs> brothers, I mean, I'm being be honest with you. I mean. With that, like again, like with us being such a large economy, and we give so much to the state—not only just financially, but but culturally—we give so much to the state of California. You know, as as a Black culture, as a Brown culture, I don't understand why I'm 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 trying. I'm having a hard time understanding why they're not embracing us to allow us to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Why haven't they? Why are they not giving us a platform or a space in the state of California where we can send our kids to go be around us? You know, I don't want my kid. My kid should. Our kids live in the middle class because we're all, you know, we've all making some money and doing good. Our kids shouldn't be afraid to be around other people when they're in, you know, because they're in a different, a different economic situation. Right. You know, they shouldn't be fearful of that because when you go to that college or you go to that platform, we're all on the same level, right? You could be rich or poor, you're still in the dorm room.
0: Right.
1: You know, but we can learn from each other. We don't have that platform. We still have that divisiveness, I believe in in that situation. So that's, that's to me, that to me would be a, a huge investment in our culture a huge investment in in uh, our people. If we could have something like that on, on on the West Coast, whether it be a Clark Atlantic, California, or whether it be a, a Howard, California, it doesn't have to be something that's brand new. Maybe it's something that we branch off and they bring it over here. Tallboy, I see you smiling,
3: man. What you got? What you got going over there? No, man. I mean, I just think at the end of the day, I think you got. And, and this is not to be the 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 elephant in the room. I just think that black people. One, we're not trusted with money, quote unquote, when it comes to certain things, and I think it's who would be in charge, mm-hmm. who has the capital, um, and then can we get everyone to come together? It's no different from the new bank that just came about with the Greenwood yep. Bank here in Atlanta, and it's like you know you have a a, a new a new bank, and you know how is that really going to look moving forward uh, now that we have a a black owned bank that's a digital bank, shall we say, That's no different from this. Like who's going to be in charge of that right now, HBCUs are already struggling and they're asking for money uh, from the federal government. Whereas a lot of these uh, predominantly white institutions, I think they call them PWIs from my understanding, they uh, they're not, they have that strong alumni where they pour back into it. And my thing is the cap, it's all about capital. And, and do you trust me? If you give me a uh, two million dollars to start and then somebody else gives me another two million, am I going to funnel that into creating? Look at Dr. Umar Johnson. No disrespect to him. But where's that school that he said that he was going to bring that he was going to build? So now you're asking other people to put up money. They want to know that that money is going to go to where they to the resources that they say that it's going to go to. And I think that's what's holding you up for the, the, the question that you're asking. I, I
1: think you're right. The, there is a financial, a financial responsibility and burden to bringing that here, but I, I, I truly believe. I mean, you know, smart, smart minds prevail, uh, and I'm not saying maybe start from the scratch. Like I said, uh, why aren't we taking um, a blueprint from the Howards or Grambling uh, or Southern and saying, you know what, they can have that as a West
3: Coast, even though are that is more of an investment, huh? Are they, are they are they willing to share it? I, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in that conversation. <laughs> I'm just I mean, saying I'm, you're, you're throwing it out there. So I'm just saying, or one of these other colleges be willing to share and say, you know what, we're going to do a branch when they're already struggling financially. Well, I would say, I would say possibly not right now, but I'm saying right now in the state, when we're in the state of California,
1: in the state of mind, we are with, with the black movement right now. Why is that even not even being entertained? And, and, and money and money and money can be privately funded. It doesn't just have to come there. We have enough millionaires and billionaires in the state of California that I think we can tap into that are not, that are in the entertainment and in the high tech world or that to see if they can bring that. But if the idea is never even fruit traded or presented in front of them. There is nothing to invest in if it's not even there. I'm I'm okay. speaking on the idea like not beyond just the financial aspect. What else is holding us back? And I and I like the dialogue Talbot, talk about. So we can, we can go. I think we need to figure out what why can't it not be presented.
0: Yeah. Why should so, I be so presented me, in front of the body? Yeah, so let, so let, let me interject because again, I, I don't want to deviate from the conversation because I think it's, a, it's an important conversation and again, it, it was one of the premises for even having this discussion today. Uh, I actually, ever since I talked to you, Montel, have kind of taken some onus and saying, how can I find someone in education to actually further on this conversation? So someone in control, someone that actually has some say in terms of how finances are spent within the state. So we're going to continue this conversation but I kind of wanted to Rain back in just a little bit to make sure that we talk about. So we've talked about struggle. We've talked about challenge. Let's talk about now the successes either that, that the four mm. of you gentlemen have had. Right. I, I kind of want to talk about some of the things that you're doing now that your playing days may be over and what you're doing now to talk to the youth, inspire the youth, uh, bring about positive change and positive focus. Inside and outside of, of of athletics and and how that relates to academics as well, right? Because because everybody can't, like you say, everybody's not going to be on that on that uh, fifty two man fifty three man roster. Everyone's not going to be out there on the field. Everyone's not going to be doing the UFC like we was just watching. You can't all kick somebody <laughs> in the head like that. You think you can? But uh, let, let's talk about some of that. And and I think with that particular topic, I'm going to start with with Mr. Bracy. And and, and uh, I, I think we already we, it's a loaded question. It's a softball. You know, what are you right. doing? In, in well, your time, sir.
2: Well, you know, I what playing sports has 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 taught me so much just about mm-hmm. life and about myself, and and I just if there's any young people watching, this is where I this is where my juices flow. If there's any young people watching who who want to play sports and who are playing sports and and they're wondering how does sports transition into I don't want to say real life because playing sports is real life for some people, but the 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 thing everything that it has taken me i'm going to talk first person it has taken me to to play baseball at a community college level play baseball at the division 1 level play some professional baseball in canada all of those ingredients the 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 practicing the determination and the discipline and doing the work in the off season when nobody's looking and and the the, the camaraderie and all the things that it takes to make a team those skills, those attributes are transferable. You can take those things and apply them anywhere else, and you're going to be successful in whatever it is. If you take what it takes, think about this, fellas. You, whatever it took for us to make our teams—Division One, Division Two, Division Three, II, Division Ivy League—it does not matter. Those same skills can be applied to anything, and you're going to be successful. And most people don't have those. So just being an athlete. Put you in a different category. I know. I remember when I was uh, uh, winding up the at the end of my baseball career, two years of independent professional baseball in Canada. And I remember in my second year, when we were on our bus trips, going to all these little cities and playing ball, man, having a good time. I remember on those bus trips, I started thinking, man, what am I going to do with my life when I when 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 I'm done playing this game? What am I going to do with my life? I went to school. See, a lot of people, I keep it. I didn't go to school to get an education. I went to school to play baseball. The education just came along. They were like, man, you only got 20 units left. You might as well finish. Okay, let me finish. Let me get this done. I did not care that much about my academics. I had my mind on being playing in the big leagues. So I'm thinking, what am I gonna do with my life? And here's what playing Pro Ball taught me, and even college ball that you can do what you love and get paid to do it. There wasn't nobody in my life doing what they loved and getting paid to do it. My people, I love them. But on Sundays, everybody tried to figure out how they can catch a cold and not and call in on Monday and get one more day off after Sunday night football. So there was nobody in my world who I saw that loved what they did. So I said to myself on that bus, and this is probably why I never made it, because I let a little inkling of doubt creep in and started thinking about life after sports. And I said, I am not going to settle. Hear me, athletes, if there's any young athletes listening, I'm not going to settle for something that I don't have a passion to do. I'm going to find what I absolutely love to do. And just like you, tall boy, nobody's ever called me to book me and say, hey, what did you, where'd you go to school? What degree did you have? Not once. I've been speaking for 23 years, tall boy. Not one time did somebody say, what is your degree in? I'm not saying I'm not happy and grateful that I did it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's never happened to me. And as soon as somebody gave me a cassette tape, y'all remember cassette tapes? Don't leave me out here. We from the same generation. Come on, Master P used to sell them out the truck. So <laughs> I put a cassette tape in my white Pontiac Grand Am, and I pushed that cassette tape in there. Somebody wrote yes, it to me, and when I pushed it in there. It was the voice of the legendary, the Jackie Robinson of motivational speaking. His name is Les Brown. We all know him. Yeah. I heard Les Brown's voice for the first. I didn't even know you could get paid to talk, <laughs> except for Muhammad Ali and in <laughs> teachers. You know what I'm saying? So when I put that tape in my tape deck and it got stuck in my tape deck, think about it. I'm driving Pontiac Grandeur, right stuck in my tape deck. I couldn't eject it. I couldn't turn it off. Every time I turned it on, his voice was talking to me and I said to myself, right at my transition period from baseball to what? I'm listening to this tape three months in my tape deck. Didn't have the money to get it fixed. And I said to myself, you know what? All this dude is doing is telling his story. I see you. I see you. I am so good. Come on, man. Don't get me excited. I said to myself, all this man is doing is telling his story. Wait a minute, KV. I have a story. What if I can tell my story and touch other people's lives the way this man is touching my life? In that moment, in that instant, I got a new dream. I got a new fire, just like baseball. I got a new passion. And I said to myself, now I got to figure out how to get paid to do this. And I gave my first speech and I'm done because I got to go. I gave my first speech at a Toastmasters in Sacramento. I remember my very first time ever in front of an audience, I was wearing a purple suit. Y'all know I was in the hammer. Come on. I was wearing (laughs) wearing a purple suit, tall boy. I was wearing a purple suit and the the lady was introducing me. And when she was introducing me, it felt like bottom of the ninth, runner on second and third, two outs. It's my time at the plate. That's what it felt like. Once I was done delivering the speech, it felt like. I'd hit a double in the gap to win the game. And in that moment, I knew that speaking was going to fill that competitive void of playing baseball. And I put the 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 determination, the work ethic, the focus, and it took me 16 years of trying to build my name and reputation locally to break through in the industry before the Internet. 16 years of hustle, 16 years of focus. And in that 16th year, a district saw my talent. And in one day, in one sitting at a school district, I booked, no exaggeration, I'm not bragging, a hundred dates in one day. And that, that means I'm gonna speak at every one of their schools multiple times that year. And that changed the course and the trajectory of my speaking business. And here I am 23 years later still doing what I love to do. So young people watching this, as an athlete, you have some skills that are transferable that nobody else has. So listen to what these brothers are teaching you because this is what it's all about. There you go, tall boy. It's all you, baby. Quick, quick hey, thing.
3: two, two things. I would love to definitely connect with you offline. Yes. But, but at the Toastmasters, mm-hmm. who was that core audience?
2: You know what? They were all older. They were all white. They were all older than me. They were a different generation, and I was in there spitting fire. They was like, who was – <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, though. I was just talking, and there's probably a couple of curse words came out because I was, wasn't was polished then yet. You know what I mean? I was just coming <laughs> off the baseball field. But it was about 15 or 16 people that were – most of them were older than me and a, different, a couple generations older than me, and they just were an audience that poured into me, listened to me. Taught me the game, loved on me, and I I took off from Toastmasters.
3: Gotcha. So I say that because I was watching a piece because I did some of the similar stuff that you did back when I was at the radio station. Mm -hmm. And I got pushback here in Atlanta. And I say that because I came into the school system and did something similar. And like you said, feeling that, felt like I hit that game-winning shot. Got that, you know, that game-winning dunk. And then it was, how do you grow from there? How do you take it to the next level? And you've been doing it for years on top of years on top of years. And you're not seeing, uh, uh, you, you're not seeing the results, the results of that taking off. And was something that Eric Thomas said, I I was watching a video that he had said something about, um, I don't go to African-American schools. I go to the white schools that have a small population of African-Americans but I'm out here motivating them and that's what helped propel him get to that next level. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to pick your brain on that. And like I said, hopefully, and I think for me and and, uh, Montel, if you could bring back that question for me, but uh, of of what you had asked, uh, asked Kevin, Mm -hmm. I I think the biggest issue that you have is find, like he said, I think athletes, they're taught confidence. We're, We're taught that there's no such thing as losing. Because all right. we know how to do is win. Now, right. you have to learn how to channel that win to say you got to. what they always say. You can win the uh, you, you can win the the war. I mean, you can win the battle, but you're not going to win the, like war. the war. Battle, mm-hmm. battle, the war yeah. and, and see, to me, I feel like I have to win every battle yeah. and I have to win every war. And, and, <laughs> and, and No, and that's just me. And, and, well, and that's my, you and, and, you're and, and, right. You're right. And, and, and my girlfriend will tell you all day, she's like. He gotta win everything, but that's that competitive spirit that I have. Yes, I, I I don't take else. So now I'm getting yes. older, and it's like, how do you learn and how do you transition? Because I have this confidence that ain't nobody. Torn, Virgil is not gonna beat me at. Oh, right in the in this live stream, he's not gonna beat me. He's yes. not gonna yes. beat me on this track. I, I, see, Virgil may have been a sprinter, but they said I ran like a deer, so I'm gonna give him that work
0: too. Uh, uh, so, just, uh, you, you know, that's so, real talk. I love yeah,
2: it. you. Yeah. Know, uh, let, go I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go, fellas. Yeah. I love y'all. But I, I, Tallboy James, give I am Tallboy my cell number, please, I got so, you. We, so we can chop it up. But we, we, you, we definitely chop it up, man, for sure. Love y'all, man. I wish I could Where stay.
0: Go do, do what, what you gotta do, do brother. Go go do what you do. We appreciate Stop you. It out, then,
3: now you see how I, now you see I transition what he said right into Virgil, so Virgil can give his response. So you know, what I'm <laughs> you,
0: you, you wouldn't let the man get off. You know, he he's got to go make that money. I'm I'm, I'm trying to interject, and, and you stiff but but that's the dialogue, right? So that's what this whole thing was all about—having that dialogue, positive folks, especially the African American mm-hmm. community. So I'll I'll now shut up and let let the brother Torrance talk to us about. Because well, you got know, a whole different, I, you know, a whole different avenue that you can talk to about
4: it. You know, some of the things right. that you're involved with so, today. So the thing about an athlete um, having that winning edge and winning attitude. So uh, I'm, I'm a part of an organization. We have a mentor group, and we mentor kids from eight to 18. And one of the things that they all say they want to be athletes. They want to go in the NBA. They want to go in the NFL. And that's fine. But we also told to ask them, what is your backup plan if you don't make it? What's the percentage of those who make it into the NFL? What's your backup plan if you don't make it to college? And so we put together a program that I mean, you know, to talk to them about how do you when you get out of high school, if you don't go to college, if you don't go, you know, and play sports. What is it the core basics that you need to survive? You know, how much is it going to cost for you to buy food every day for a month? How much is it going to cost for you to travel, whether it's a car or paying for public transportation? And a lot of them never thought of. it. So for me, when I was coming in, track and field at the time, you couldn't make money. Okay, so once you're done with college or if you run, you know, um, you know, unattached, you do that for fun because you love the sport because you could not make money at the time. You just started making money until I think the late 80s. But we had to also think about what's our next level. okay? And so for me, sociology was it because that helped me understand uh, myself, groups of people, my community. But I tripped over and fell into IT. And but, <laughs> but for me thinking about, you know, what's my next step? Because athletics is just not going to be that. You have to teach young people to think about those things because some of them get hurt and they're devastated. And when they get devastated, they shut down. You know, I tell you, know, when an athlete get hurt and he is no longer or able to get back to the status that he was physically, mentally and emotionally, it tears him down. Okay, so being an athlete is fine and great. But what's your next step if you don't make it into that? So that's why we have to push education, whether it's either going to college, it's going to a trade school, you know, um, you know, some type of motivation. We have to talk to young people about doing that. Otherwise, we're setting them up to fail. And so if they don't have a passion like like Kevin, Kevin has a passion. He has a passion and he wants to motivate. He has that. So he found that for him. But what about all of those who not sure quite do it? For me, when I was in school, I didn't know what I want to do. I had no passion on anything other than hanging out. So, you know, to help them transition from high school to uh, uh, being a productive citizen to going to college or even trying to go into the major league. This is one of those things that they need to do. They can have their dreams to try to obtain their dream, but they also need to be able to have the know all to say, how do I research a company? How do I research the money that I want to do? I want to be an entertainer. You know, how do I research to doing that? Because what we found a lot of them research is talking to the boy next door. You know, or somebody who said that they've been in the program, they've been doing that. So my research is saying I'm going to do what he did. He did it. He didn't have to do it. You know, one of the things that someone has always said uh, that we hear every year, well, Bill Gates, he didn't He didn't go to college. He didn't graduate. You know, we said, but was one of the things that he done. He kept in his industry. He kept learning. He took other classes and training. So I've been in IT for 40 years. You know, and I work now. I work for the state, and you know, James and I met at Hewlett Packard. (laughs) You know, but now I work at the state as an analyst. But I'm still using that to mentor young men. uh, You know, uh, I'm I'm mentoring two young men from SAC State and some other young men's in early on. How do you respond to the police? How do you respond to somebody in an interview? You know, interviewing skills. Those are the core. Those are some of the core things that they're going to need. As an athlete, because if you're an athlete, you're going to be interviewed. You've got to know how to speak. You know, have to stop saying, um, you know, you feel me. Those types yeah. of things. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I believe I believe what you're saying. You teach them life skills. Those life skills they need to be life able to
4: survive right. in
1: the community and whatnot. But I, I, I want to I want to comment on something you said that I thought it kind of struck me. We do need to invest in our intellectual, our own individual intellectual property, What <laughs> by educating ourselves. Like you said, by learning this trade or a skill, we—I don't—I hate the imagery that we have that we have in our communities. Sometimes it's it's very—it sometimes is very negative, and it's not very influential. But I do believe us as Black people, as as generationals, we need to start to invest in our own intellectual intellectual property. Um, Go go talk more. To
3: to say that I think that a lot of these young kids they want to be uh, entertainers or musicians, Mm -hmm. rappers, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. You know, there this new generation, Travis Porter post. I think that they are saying, you know what? I'm not going to give up my content as easily mm-hmm. as maybe the SWVs and the uh, uh, the TLCs back in the day. This yep. new generation is saying, hey, I can do this myself. I don't really need the bag from you per se. Now, as opposed to back in the day, it was if you got a record contract. With, I believe. Yep. With, I'm with agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And how they got messed over. No one never really explained that game from the late eighties to to to, to two thousand and thirteen. No one explained the game. Then when Travis Porter came out, it was like, "Hey, we're gonna do our own thing, and our time is now, and we're not waiting for anybody." I argue with E-40 and Master P did it first, but you're right. Now the new generation is oh, learning themselves. Oh, there you go. There yeah. go. But, but, but. but I no, no, no. They they did do it first, but the thing yeah. is they never shared that information with anybody. They just did it for themselves. More yeah. and, and and when they did it for themselves, they got the bag, but it was never, that was never passed down to say ownership, ownership, ownership. The, masters, the masters. I agree with yeah. you. Exactly. To the yeah. masters.
1: So but I, I'm thinking I'm even thinking more so because you're right, it has trans, transcended in the music industry and learning that trade. But I don't think it's transcended this as a whole. Even in even in athletic sports, we still have professional athletes that go into the league and they come out they're coming out broke, you know, with the with that, the bad financial management. But, 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 I, that, I just,
3: but that's their fault though, because in all honesty, anybody that makes it in the professional level, there's classes, there's trainings, there's similar. I agree with, you. I agree with you Now, if you come I mean, from that from that mentality of I never had nothing and you get your first check of, let's just say your first check is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars as your first check. yeah, the first thing you're gonna do is want to go out and buy the watch, buy the jury, yeah, yeah buy buy your mama a house. I get all of that and and then then all of a sudden, as they say, um i forgot who who the athlete was and i forgot who the rapper was but it's a never-ending cycle they all say the same thing i had to put my boys on payroll well now like paul i think it was paul pierce he says every time we went to a city it was eight of us So that means i had to pay for eight Mm dinners. i had to pay for eight vehicles i had to pay for and then when that check slows up such as a pandemic of what we're in now guess what that Hey, do I really need you on payroll? What am I bringing you along on this trip for? What what did, what value are you bringing? You look yeah. at a LeBron James; he has everybody on payroll, and whatever that payroll is is not. Oh, I'm taking care of my boys, and I'm paying your no. job. Yeah, yeah you, you have a job to do, and once you do that job, you get paid accordingly for whatever that that market calls for, as opposed to. MC Hammer back in the day, he put yeah. everybody on payroll, and yeah. then now when his time is up, he took care of the neighborhood, but he didn't take yeah, care of No, and I agree, I agree <laughs> to a certain extent. I do believe you're right. You said there's no excuse. I
1: do believe I don't, I don't believe there's any excuse, but still the message isn't being transcended across the board because we're not doing that. We still have too many percentages that are not. So either the message needs to keep being hammered home, or we need to be figuring out a different way for them to learn because it's not only happening in sports, it happens in, in, all, those, in all those facets. It's just that we have so much we're getting that bag in the beginning, but the bag in the end ain't there's now they're not holding on to it and I know that's the financial literacy portion mm-hmm. of it, but mm-hmm. I mean also even also just investing us ourselves in our intellectual property period we're being monetized off of a lot, and we're not getting all, we're not getting what we're being monetized for for that much and I'm not just talking about it in sports, I'm talking about it in the real world as well. We have too many pop-up shops with t-shirts when we should be able to own clothing stores we have too many we have too many i i, I, I believe are you we will we, we'll argue it I think that's a great hustle, but I don't see no reason why we can't have why we can't own the manufacturing part. Why can't we do all that? Because we're already inside doing that. You're a videographer, you own a lot of your content and all the stuff. I own all my content. All your content. <laughs> but a lot of people don't. YouTube owns but, their content.
4: But see, Mattel tell it goes, it goes, you know, you have to take a step back. Yeah. Because if you don't teach young people financial literacy,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and matter of fact, ask ask a lot of people, a lot of kids in high school. And early in college, if they know how to write a check, a lot of them will but, say no, but they know how to use cash cash app.
1: Yeah, but you, that's my point. That's what that's exactly what I'm my point. I'm getting to the same point. We need to invest in our own intellectual property or our, our intellect investment. We Once should be right, on all those things. Right. We need to all those things. Right, right.
4: You got to go back. You got to go back and, and teach them early, because it, it, at, at age of 21, 21, 22, 23, you couldn't tell me a whole lot because I think I thought I knew it. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you caught me at at, at 12, 13, 14 years old and saying, "Okay, you have you have, you know, one hundred thousand dollars, what's the best way for you to make more money? Because what happens is that we're too quick to get the money and we're too quick to say, I can't wait 10 years for this money to mature. I want it now or I'll take it now and I'll do something later with it. But we know later is never going to come. Mm hmm. So and so, when you do, you teach them financial literacy, how to balance the checkbook, don't look at cash app, you know, be able to to manage your own money and how you manage that that money because we got a lot of entertainers and athletes in, in trouble. They let somebody else manage their money and they don't. They just know they got money and so all they're doing is writing checks and it, swipe, 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 right. Mm-hmm. So athletes need to be able to do that. And and still be able to have their dreams, you know. They still have to go to school in high school, even after college. When they're in college, they need to take those courses. Or someone mm-hmm. like, um, 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 uh, you know, as a motivational speaker, Kevin. One of the things that Kevin can do as he's talking to them is talk to them about, you know, financial literacy.
3: But those courses are offered though. Those courses, there's a Dennis Kimbrough at Clark Atlanta. He teaches that that he teaches that Clark.
4: course. Yeah, but I'm telling you, when but we many, but when oh, we talk ahead. to these kids, when we sit and talk to these kids, a lot of them don't know. But see, here here's the here's there's a bigger picture on that. It's because when the parents aren't comfortable with those conversations and teaching them they're not going to be comfortable with sitting down with their kids. So their kids aren't going to get some of that. Their kids not going to know. And so when we sit down and talk to them, they kind of push back because the first thing that we're taught as young people is that we look at our parents for some guidance. And if, if my parents can't help me or, or my parents don't care, I'm not going to really care. And I'm not saying that all parents are like that. But when you have some of those who aren't comfortable with finances, who aren't comfortable with writing letters, who aren't comfortable with, Getting out and speaking, you tend not to take your kids in those environments.
3: But what I'm saying is, once you get to, but what I'm saying is, but when you get to college, and this and this is a deeper rooted issue than than need be, because I I don't know if this was for you as a track or maybe you as a football player, they put me in cookie cutter classes in the beginning, and then when I showed that I could actually handle, you know, taking. Mm-hmm. That, better classes than or yeah. I said I'm signing up for this class myself then it was why did you do that because we have practice during this time and it was mm-hmm. like well this is the class that I need to take that's on you to want to be able to say I I want to get my degree you have a yeah. lot of athletes that are just saying I'm just only here to you know do whatever it takes to, so I can play ball look at Ben Simmons he went to LSU came mm-hmm. in from Australia went to LSU for one year. He had no intentions of going to school. He was mm-hmm. there just to, for that one semester, played that first, and I think he, was, he didn't even play the second half because he was academically ineligible, and he became the number one or the number two pick in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he already had that mindset that he wasn't there to go to school. But he had to go the college route because playing ball overseas was not as popular at that time when he came out eight years ago as opposed to What it is now, when you're seeing with the ball brothers saying, Hey, college ain't for everybody. Mm -hmm. What I'm about to go over here to the NBL and I'm gonna play one year, two years over here because you have to be one year removed from the NBA. I think for football, you have to be three years. You have Mm -hmm. to be three years. So, where are you gonna play at from a a collegiate football level? You have to go to college Mm -hmm. because there's no other resources for you to go. That's it's true. a farm, it's a farm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so, so to answer that question, it's you're in college, and while you're in college, they're putting you in these courses, and all you're and you're trusting the coach to say, Hey, I, I remember I told coach I don't want to do study hall. He mm-hmm. said, You <laughs> get you give me a 2.8, then you don't have to do study hall. He set the bar too low. I came with a 3.3. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say that because
4: we had yeah. my, my coaches would say you're going to take these classes and you're going to keep your grades up period yeah. no if ands, or but nope you can't work you can't go, go can't go get a job because you have to keep your grades
3: up but and not that's hard on african-american because we don't it, have the money and, exactly and, and, and you yep. don't have the exactly. money so so for me how i was able to get around that and this was just me thinking outside of my 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 line of work i had did a summer job My first year I came home, I was transitioning from Cal State Fullerton to the University of New Orleans. That second year, I did an internship with Macy's. Not not an internship. I got a job doing security for Macy's at the mall. And then something, I don't know, there was an internship program with Bell South. And it's funny because, you know, they talk about uh, fast access ADSL. So from a tech perspective, they had this. ADSL program that they were trying to get it out here in Atlanta. And when I saw the amount of money it was paying for an internship, I had to get into that program. And when I got (laughs) into that program, that summer money was my money for the whole Mm -hmm. school year. So then it was like, oh, well, Bell South is giving out paid internships. Now the question is, can you find a paid internship? Because you're talking about a black man that's 18 so 21 years old looking for capital or looking for money so he can be able to buy some shoes to, so he can, you know, take a girl out on a date so he can have some money, you know, some pocket change to do whatever, whatever he wants. You have to find him that money. James has a daughter that's 18 years old that's going to college. She's not an athlete, but she's going to be in daddy's pockets as soon mm-hmm. as she goes to college because she doesn't have that job per se, but daddy got it. We didn't have it when we were in college, so we had to find a way. And I ain't trying to be the broke brother because the sisters ain't trying to holler at you if you ain't got no money. So, <laughs> am I, tell me if I'm wrong. Or no, not. no, so, no. You are telling, tr- no, telling the truth? No, you telling, telling the truth? You telling the truth? I want, I want to circle.
1: I want to circle back what you were saying, tall boy, about like, uh, like you said, we um, that those classes are being taught. For them to have financial literacy and have mm-hmm. those responsibilities mm-hmm. as they are, and and like you said, there's a brother in
3: responsibility. Yeah, but his name is Dennis Kimbrough. I, 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 he, yeah. he does exactly I, what Kevin Brady does. Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe I believe that is true, and I don't know if the, I don't know
1: if it's lack of uh, um, access from a lot of brothers because I made a brother from California hard to know from a brother from Clark is teaching that, and I've been to the rookie symposium several times in the NFL, and I know they teach those classes as well mm-hmm. from 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 the NFL, and probably I'm sure they do it in all the other professional sports. I'm not even just talking about just sports-wise as far as we need to know financial literacy from just for those guys that are going to become instant millionaires. Now, we need to have it from, also from a standpoint from the brothers, just getting ready to get that nine to five and and understand how to invest in the IRA to be able to have that long-term money instead mm-hmm. of going to buy that car and buy that chain and go and go just impress everybody. I think it needs to be something that's kind of more enrooted in this, and I do believe these are being at the high school level. My, the me personally,
3: way, the only way to change that is if you make that a course requirement, just like they. That's have what a, i was just it, saying. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. If You make it just like you have an intro to, uh, to, to the course. Like I think Morehouse has a, a intro to Morehouse University. You know that you learn the anthem, you you understand what Morehouse stands for. And I'm only speaking on HBCUs. So I'm not speaking yeah, yeah, on, mm-hmm. on any other college. But there's a a mandatory course that you have to take. Well then, now you have to say, "Well, let's make it a mandatory course for financial literacy." You know, so and and that's one. I I hear you. I hear you. I hear. I know. I know. I hear you. I hear you. I'm thinking even before, I'm thinking it needs to be in high school, brother. I mean, not even college. Well, it the, needs the, to problem you high, the problem that you have with high school is there's a curriculum that they have to stay on pace with. So that's why you hear they're taking the arts out of the schools. That's why you hear that basketball or football programs are great. But when they start talking about we're going to pull these other programs because they know that those are their money-making programs, they have a curriculum. And I'll tell you, from the K through uh, – middle school level, I know that for sure. They tell you. I have friends that are teachers right now. I have to teach these core classes and any extra time that I have, I can then probably instill some stuff into my kids, but I'm being judged as a as a teacher mm-hmm. or as an okay. educator to on math, science, English and, and and, and whatever the other the, the, core, core, the core classes yeah the yeah. core classes yeah I get I'm getting judged on that and that only nobody cares about anything else and so until you change that it's going to be hard because you're saying that that's nice to have but it's not considered a core class and be, be, and but, because it's but, not but, considered uh, a core class okay I'm 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 a, 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 a golf for that
1: so us brothers that's in this room do we think they should start to enforce that within the curriculum either 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 as a as as as, as uh, that, a, a core a, class. A,
3: that's or a Betsy or, or an elective, or or elective, or an elective. That's a Betsy DeVos so, question.
0: So, so let me, and I, I love where this is. Going I like going. it, <laughs> and, and, and and I'm going to interject because I've got some uh, history and some insight to this. As as you know, my, my wife is very involved with the uh, uh, administration of some local school districts here, being being in her role. And some school districts are starting to implement a requirement of having financial literacy right? That it's not standardized across the entire U.S. So that, that that's the Betsy DeVos question right there. But there are certain school districts across the country, primarily, I, I can only speak for the ones up here in North California that I'm directly related to, there is that graduation requirement of knowing how to write a check, knowing how to balance your your account, knowing how to utilize those features and functions, right? So, so that is there today in certain districts. But again, It's more the progressive districts that are finding that time within the schedule to do it. Are they having school just a little bit earlier, a little bit later? Unfortunately, are they cutting out some of the arts and some of the uh, other types of sciences and some of the other activities? Unfortunately, some of them are, but they are starting to bring in those requirements of having some real world knowledge and experience. So once you get out of this uh, off this campus, you know how to officially and correctly write a check you know how to actually prepare yourself and have a speech to be able to talk in front of an, an, an interview, right? Taking out the ums and the ahs and, and all of the things that you talk about. So I want I wanted to interject on that. And again, I, w- I wanted to...
1: No, that's that's a blessing, uh, brother. That's a blessing yeah, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I want to I
0: have this conversation turn into literally a second round because we, there, there's a lot of passion here. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of consternation as well, right? I mean, folks, we, we've got our... our our perspectives. We've got our experiences. And, and well, I want tell you, you, you can kick something off here, man, but we, we, we're going to definitely do this again. <laughs> if you've got one I other mean, question, I, no, this is great, right? Because I mean, that's what yeah. we do, right? We have those timely relevant conversations and sometimes they can get awkward. That's what we do. And, and so that's what the, the whole platform is about. And just wanting to maintain our, the viewership. You know, I, I don't want to go too much longer than, than 90 minutes. If you've got one, probably the last question for you, panel in terms of um, maybe what we can do today and tomorrow to, to bring about some positive change or, or whatever the case may be. I'll, I'll leave it up to you, but I just kind of, again, want to be aware of that.
1: Now, to be honest with you, I want to use the last five minutes for, for, for to let them be their platform. I mean, Tallboy and, and Mr. Torrance definitely, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving the inside. I always love to have the intellectual discussions and, and battles because I like to see it from everybody's lens. Um, cause I know my lens isn't always the right ones or wrongs. It's just, I need to see it from a different view. Um, but I want you guys to talk about what you guys got going on and how, you know, how can we, how can, how can the masses reach to you, reach you guys and what you guys are doing so they can get a little bit better content on what, on what's going on. For me fell for me, fellas.
4: Well, I think that, um, well, well, two things, the conversation is you were talking about earlier Montel, as far as why there's no HBCUs here and on, on the West coast. That conversation, I think you should get some educators and, and those who mm-hmm. are involved with the community, community services, and then they can kind of help dial some of that in. <clears throat> but as far mm-hmm. as sports and and you know and coaching, you know, the 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 young people nowadays, I think they're starting to understand from a political standpoint where they are, where they belong, and where they want to be. We have an opportunity to take that and use that. And I'm all about educating young people and get them started early so we can talk to them about being athletes and what it takes to be an athlete. But also, what will it take for you to be, you know, a positive citizens in the community and how to give back to your community? And you can definitely do that by athletics. I've seen a lot of kids who graduate high school or even college has come back to the community and has participated in their, in their learnings, their life lessons, giving back to kids. So there, there is still an opportunity. And now you can make good money. You make money in, you know, in all sports. Now Now you have track and field. You can make money in track and field. So now there's another opportunity to say, if you want to run track, here's the path to go that way same thing with basketball, football, baseball. And um you know if we can find ways to connect organizations to each other. We have a lot of silos, we have a lot of communic- um organizations that are working with the youth, working with mentor programs, working with the city, state and the county. Um but you know we should kind of do it like a spider web. You know, we can have a hub but we going to co- we can connect to all the other ones because what we do once a month, I need to funnel that young man over to another organization that's okay. doing something those weeks that we're not you know, and how can he leverage off of that and the other or organization, other organizations could do that and not feel that you're taking away you know my asset, mainly those who are getting getting paid for the number the head counts you know so okay. you know uh, athletics is gonna be around um it's how we it's how we groom our young people in moving on into athletics, making money, or if they don't make it or can't make it, how can they give back to the community by using their athletics as a core you know, to, to, for them to be able to get in front of people, teach kids, teach adults and everyone else going forward.
1: Great, it, tall boy, it, man. It, wrap us up. Oh,
0: go. i sorry, James. Oh, oh, I was, verse like, before you go because there, there was a comment. Could you just uh, give kind of the elevator pitch on what the Alpha Academy is?
4: The Alpha Academy is a mentor program that we hold here in Sacramento. My fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, Incorporated, and we mentor young uh, boys from the age of eight to eighteen, and that started um, years ago. Uh, when uh, we would go talk to uh, young people and they didn't know what the NAACP was. You know, they didn't know what that acronym was. They didn't know what the uh, Urban League was. So we started doing that and found that there was a lot of disparities and there we needed to bridge the gap with these young kids. And we also, <clears throat> with that, we raised money and we give scholarships out to the high school seniors and we're targeting young men but we also give uh uh scholarships out to uh young women as well. So it's a mentor program that we're you know that we built out it's uh, been doing very well uh, but we also like to try to make sure we expand that out uh to the rest of the community.
3: Great. Tall boy wrap us up my man. Um so can you repeat the question first?
1: Oh, I I <laughs> Talk about, talk, talk about what you got going on, what people can reach you out. About. So, so, I,
3: so I have a lot of things that are going on, and I think COVID has kind of shut a lot of things down. Um, so, of course, I create content. I have transitioned from creating celebrity and covering events and seminars and conferences into saying I'm willing to help. I want to help the small business customer out by creating content, commercials, uh, live streams for them. Uh, because we're in a time now where a professional live stream, because I'm pretty sure you guys are all doing the Zoom calls, but I think the ones who want a more professional live stream, I'm actually producing that uh, or producing that content. Whereas I have, I don't know if you can see these pictures behind my wall where I've been, or I've interviewed all of these great celebrities behind me. Um, That was cool. But my thing is what I saw last year or two years ago was, there was a lack of uh attention for the small business customer and i think that the excuse me the small business owner and my thing was how do you help that small business owner and they need video production they need to find a way to get their voice and get their messaging out to where people can uh put money back into their uh businesses so they can continue to thrive Um, The second part that I do, and we have really have not done anything in the last year because of, one, COVID. And then, two, you know, we try to surround ourselves around, um, uh, attach ourselves with another organization. But I have a nonprofit called the Network of Stars Foundation. Um, uh, My mom passed away on New Year's Day of 2015. A good friend of mine was like, hey, man, you're always networking with people. Her name, her biker name, because she used to ride motorcycles, was Star. Um, So we call it Network of Stars Foundation, and we teach entrepreneurship and networking with youth. So that part of giving back, Mm -hmm. um, that's what we're doing. But I'm not doing it from an athlete perspective. I'm doing it from the ones who want to be in entertainment. So I come Mm -hmm. from a background of radio. When I transitioned from sport into uh, radio, when I left sport, I said, what am I going to do with myself? And radio was something that I wanted to do. And there's so many cool jobs in the entertainment industry that you can make a Nice living, whether it's being a makeup artist or being a DJ or you know mm-hmm. being a producer, being a, a talent scout or a PR person. So our thing was surrounding youth here in the Atlanta area, and we would find a group of youth um, that is already a part of an organization and we would bring our nonprofit in, surround ourselves with surround uh, you know attach ourselves to their organization, and we would then say, These are your kids. We're going to bring in our group of professionals to say this is what uh, this is. These are the cool jobs that you can have because everybody wants to be that rapper or they want to be that music, that band member. But they're not understanding that you can be a manager. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be that makeup artist and you can make you get to travel the world just like they do. (laughs) You think Beyonce don't have a team of people. You think Rihanna don't have a team of people. So you know the, the DJ, I mean, you got to think mm-hmm. uh, DJ Nabs traveled. He was crisscrosses DJ and he was on tour with Michael Jackson and he mm-hmm. still lives off of that one moment. So, mm-hmm. um, so building relationships that way we have to hopefully as COVID dies down or hopefully will die quickly. Um, maybe we can pick that back up in 2021. Um, and if anybody's interested in following in what I'm doing, um, Tallboy.us is the website. I am Tallboy on all my socials and YouTube if you want to see some of the celebrity content. Um, I try to entertain because a lot of these artists are in the Atlanta market. And I've just been blessed uh, from a wide range from jazz to R&B to gospel to rap. to And, and influencers uh, and politicians, I've been blessed to be able to surround myself around them. And I think a lot of it has to do with my height. So, you know, they're like, dang, he tall us, you know what, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm in front of, you know. And I think that's the cool thing to where after that initial energy of he's so tall and this is that celebrity is over with. We can now have a, a, a nice intellectual conversation. And that's where you see all these pieces that are on my wall behind me of, uh, you know, of, of the of the artist. So that's what I do. Awesome.
0: Man. Okay, I, I got I got
4: some people that I'm your way.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. You yes. got some folks in the, in the, in the music industry uh, that, that you definitely got uh, some, some contact. Mattel, tell the folks what you're doing, sir. Oh
1: man, me I'm 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 doing a whole bunch. So I'm really on a crusade to kind of bring Division two football back <laughs> in the state of California. <laughs> uh, boy laughing Okay, he No, but I, but I'm not, but I believe that it's, that mechanism has been cut off and I know it's a financial thing and a financial mm-hmm. issue, but I really do believe, um, I think title nine is a, is a whole different discussion to kind of cut it off. But I mean, I I really want to feel it, bring it back because I know mm-hmm. what it's done for me and my brothers that I went to division two school and play football with how we've been able to do that. And I think that mechanism in California has been kind of just cut off. And I, I really want to figure out a way to kind of hopefully attract people and bring that back. Um, number two, I have, I have my own nonprofit uh, and my own high school all star game football game. And I do, I'm the sports analyst for football in, the, in San Diego for all high school football. So I'm really in, in, entrenched and grooved in that. Uh, my nonprofit helps kids from understanding how to get recruited from that. Not the Division one athletes, but that D2 NAI Division three athlete. He doesn't have the same uh, outlet or the same web out here as anyone else. So I try to bridge that gap whether it's somebody going to school in the Midwest or going to school back east or going down south, help them introduce them to those coaches and help them see their talents so they can offer those guys scholarships, offer offer them an opportunity to play play sports out there. So I've been really, that's pretty much the main thing I do outside the nine to five, you know, I'm raising the family, man, I'm a pretty simple dude. I just, you know, try to grind out and want to help as many people in the community as I possibly can.
0: Love it, brother. Love it. So, and I wanted everyone to say what, what it is that they do just for the audience to understand and see, we've got, Two gentlemen with nonprofits. We've got a fraternity uh, mentoring program. We've got Mr. Bracey, who is is out right now talking to a high school football team about positive mentality and positive attitude. We are doing good in the community. We're doing the right thing, right? We we are having those conversations with not just the youth, but we're having these conversations with leaders in society. So the idea is to be active, be mobile, do something. Right. Don't if you, if you got something on your mind, you got something on your heart, something you're passionate about, like Montel talked about bringing B2 back. Right. If you're passionate about it, put a plan in place, make it happen. Don't say you can't do anything. I, I think I'm starting to get a lot of uh, positive uh, vibes from I'm reading the decision from from Kevin Hart right now. And I who would have ever thought that I'd be I'd be quoting Kevin Hart with <laughs> with, with positive tidbits. But stay focused. Do what we do. Let's make sure that we continue to be positive influences to our youth. Uh, academics is number one. Athletics is great too, but you know you, you got to have something to fall back on again if you don't make that roster, uh, gentlemen. I I need to say this uh, while we are still streaming. You guys are phenomenal, right? This this was a a, a session that Montel and I talked about a couple of about a month or so ago and wanted to have this and. It touches some nerves. I can, I could tell, you know, there was a lot of passion in this conversation and that's a good thing, right? Uh, there, there's some things that we still need to talk about and I think we'll continue these conversations. I'm texting with each of you behind the scenes right now saying, then we're not done. We're, 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 going to continue to drive these conversations either amongst ourselves. We'll bring some other folks online. There were, there were a number of folks that were invited to this panel that didn't make it. Uh, and interesting enough, one, one of the gentlemen is joining now, but since we're wrapping up, uh, I'll, we'll talk to him a- after after we go live, but we will continue to have this conversation, and we will continue to drive forward and continue to try to make change within our community. But that being said, gentlemen, you guys have a phenomenal day, and stay blessed, and uh, keep doing what you do. Don't get cut.
4: Thank
0: Don't be cut. <laughs> Thank you, James. I love it. All right, all right, have a good man.
1: Y'all enjoy it. Right.